0: Until then, we hope this message leads you right where you are and helps you know just how deep the Father's love is for you.
1: You know, there's, I'm experiencing a first uh, in my 23 years of ministry. You don't even know this. Actually, you I might. Um, I love preaching from my iPad. But this morning when I sat down as the service started, all of the apps decided they wanted to update so, I had to go get my notes from the back, so I could preach to you today but uh, we've we've got some good stuff kids you can head out with Miss Patty. Uh, we got some great stuff in ch- in kids' church uh, today, and on that note, we have something to share with the church today
0: we share, I shared with you in the midweek email on on Wednesday that God has been stirring in our hearts and doing some things in us, and we're going to be sharing with those with you over the next couple of weeks and really the next month about kind of the some of the direction that we see god leading real life over the next few years but one of those things i said you don't want to miss today you want to be here because we have a couple of announcements and the first of those announcements is that well it's it's kind of twofold uh we have filled our children's and youth ministry positions Woo-hoo. <laughs> right i know i have a couple teens going what um so we have miss patty is going to stay on in the role of children's ministry director here at real life in a formal role and we are thrilled with that. We're working out all of the details and all of those things with Patty, but we uh, got to talk with her and Gary on Friday and just begin to already talk about, you know, some things that we see God wanting to do and, and be a part of. And so my, my challenge to you is this, support Patty. Come around her, say, hey, let me help you with an, uh, an event or a Sunday morning or something, and let me be a part of what's happening in children's ministry.
1: Yeah, because at, at the heart this is a moment that i want to just take to, to speak into what it means to be the church and what does it mean to uh, be a pastor but one of the things that is important for us to understand it as a church is you don't hire pastors to do the work of the church That's right. you call pastors to equip the local church to do the work of the kingdom and what that looks like, sometimes, you know, we've been at some churches we've seen some churches, we've talked to some pastor friends where they feel like they are the hired hand and the people just kind of let them do the work. And we grieve about that because that's not at all what it is scripture calls pastors to. Scripture calls pastors to equip you to do the work of the church. So the fact that we have one of our own who has been uh, filling a, a void that we have had To equip us to to minister to families with children, Patty has just done an amazing job with that. Not of doing all the work, but equipping us to do the work. And so I'm just, I'm looking forward to that.
0: And I think one of Patty's greatest desires is to teach our kids about what it means to know Jesus. And so we're just excited for what is ahead for that. On that note, we have officially hired a youth pastor who will come on staff with us officially in capacity in August. However, this youth pastor will actually be at camp with our teens this summer. Taylor White is going to step into the role of youth pastor here at Real Life. And we are thrilled for that. Um, We have been having some conversation, and when we called Taylor a couple weeks ago and said, hey, I want you to take some time and pray about this. What do you think about this? Um, It'll be in a part-time capacity. Um, Taylor's committing to us for a year right now um, as it's her senior year of college, and uh, we are just anticipating what god wants to do and let me let me step back just a little bit and give you a little bit of backstory taylor came to me about a month and a half ago and said hey i want to talk to you um i really feel like god is calling me to really commit to one church this year she's had a church in nashville that she's been a part of and then a part of our church kind of half and half and she said i really feel like god's telling me i want to that i need to commit and real life is where i want to call home this year i love real life i love the teens at real life and i love these people and uh and so she shared that and that was even before uh, we had talked to her about stepping into this role so when I called her back and I said hey you know how you're feeling that I don't think that's coincidence that God's up to that in your life um, and she prayed about it for a week called Jeremy and I back and said um, I would I would like to do this I love these teenagers so much and so and then we found out that same week that that happens to be she'll actually she's traveling with Triveca this summer again but she's actually going to be at East Tennessee Camp. So she's going to get to be with our kids, her kids, at camp. So we're so excited.
1: We are so excited. I'm so excited. so we, that's something we've been working on for quite a while. And I, we left the board meeting uh, last week, and I just, I crashed. Like, it was like we've been working towards this thing, and it now has happened. So my body's like, okay, you can hit your wall. And so I did. <laughs> I, I am not, um, I enjoy naps, but I'm not a nap taker. I took a five-hour nap last week, and uh, I was just so blessed by that. Amen. Um, I couldn't sleep the rest of the night, but <laughs> that, was, that was all right. Hey, take a moment and share with those around you about a person that was good about making themselves known to you. A person that was good about making themselves known to you. There's probably different ways that that, has ha- that can happen, but think about that person that was just so like forthright. They, were, uh, they, they weren't they were hidden from you. They were a person that just lived life in front of you to the point where you kind of could say, hey, I really know that person. I'll just give you a, a snippet. My, my grandfather was that for me. Of all the people, he was one of those. And he did that because I, I was able to just, to, to, I spent summers on the farm with grandpa and I learned a lot about life because grandpa lived life in front of me. And so that would be one of mine. So go ahead, take just a moment and share with those around you uh, the person who was good about making themselves known to you. Go. All right, all right. Wrap that up. Uh, it is. Just, it's it's great to hear the church chattering, um, the, the church talking together and living life together. That's one of the things I love about real life, is that we get to be that place that just lives life together. Um, oh my word, that's hilarious. You guys were done, and it was done uploading, so that's awesome. Uh, God works in mysterious ways. You know, as we, uh, as we look at uh, the faith that we are part of, there's a couple things that stand out to me that are, I think, extremely pertinent to who we are as the people of God. One of those is this. Of all the world religions and systems of belief, and I'm using some very vague language here, There's only one that claims that its deity or its higher power is in the habit of continually revealing himself, herself, itself um, to its followers. Christianity is the only one who does that. Uh, Others talk about texts or someone who represents the deity, the higher power, Uh, but, but for Christianity, God is alive and well and revealing God's self to us. And that's that revelation, that communication to us that is um, at, the, at the heart of what it means to be the people of God. And yet it seems that many of us, in, in almost a, like a, a practical atheism, and I know that, that we would never say we are atheists, but sometimes the way we live our life kind of looks like atheists. You know, we, we acknowledge that there is a God out there, maybe, but we don't live our life in communion with that God. And so practically, we're living as atheists, which is something that we, we might want to like take a look at is what does our life with God reveal about what we think about God? On any given Sunday, there are those of us in this room and myself included, we show up sometimes because we know that's what we're supposed to do. I mean, I'm the pastor, right? I, I'm, uh, I'm one of the pastors here, and it's my responsibility. It's my job. It's my duty to show up. But can I, I'm just going to be honest. I'm going to be real with you. There are some mornings that I show up, and I go through the motions because it's been a busy week, or it's been a crazy season, Or and there are times where I walk through these doors, and I just, I don't feel the way I think I should feel. Worshiping a risen Lord. Uh, and so if your pastor can do that, I'm guessing some of you are in that same boat from time to time. Church, faith in God is about following, is not about following lifeless rules or obligations or expectations. It's about living in relationship with the God who interacts with us on a daily basis. One of the hardest things about preaching that kind of a word to a people is I've had met plenty of people push back on me and say, yeah, but I've never heard God. I've never had that audible experience. I've never encountered God in the way that you are you're talking about. And so as we think about what does it look like to live in constant communication with God, we, rec- we have to recognize that it's not just about audible voices from God that guide us and shape us. It's about us recognizing that there are many ways that God speaks to us. And one of those is through the Word of God. Uh, I remember a teenager came to me one day as a youth pastor and said to me, uh, I just I, I just don't know uh, what God sounds like. I don't know what God talks like. I don't know what God says. And I said, when was the last time you were in the Word of God? I said, well, I said, now be honest with me. I mean, I need you to be honest because... Your honesty will help guide this conversation. And they said, well, I, I don't remember the last time I read my Bible. And I, and I, I turned to them and, lovingly and I said, can I just say this? One of the primary ways that God gives us to understand and communicate and to, to hear the heart of God is God's word. And if we are not in that, of course, we're not going to know what God would sound like. We're not going to know what God would say. We're not going to understand the promises of God because we just, we're not in it. Take that to the next level when we aren't a part of a worshiping body of believers for whom the Word of God is central to who they are, it's very easy for us to become disconnected because we aren't being formed and shaped by that Word as it's lived out among a people. Which is why it's so important for us to recognize that church has got to be a part of who we are. And not just about going to church, it's about becoming a part of church. So um, let's address some of the issues uh, with our conception of God, but let's go to Scripture first. We're going to be in John chapter 14, John chapter 14, verse 15. So if you have your Bibles, uh, your scrolls, your iPads, your phones, uh, maybe you've memorized this, uh, I want to read for us John 14:15 through26. This is what the word of God says to us. If you love me, Jesus is talking here. If you love me, obey my commandments. I want to just throw in a little side note. This is a Jeremy side note. It does not say, if you are afraid of where you are going to end up after you die, do what I say. No, our our motivation for living into the commandments of God, the instructions of our Lord, is because we love God not because we are obligated to God. We have to get the horse before the cart because if you have the cart before the horse, you're in a whole mess. And that applies even to our faith. Let's go on. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate, which is like a helper or an intercessor, who will never leave you. Hear that, Uh, the advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive Him because it isn't looking for Him and doesn't recognize Him. Hear me, hear that again. The world cannot receive Him because it isn't looking for Him and doesn't recognize Him. But you know Him because He lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other disciple with that name, said to him, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. My father will love them and he will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I am telling you, is from the Father who sent me. I am telling you these things now while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. This is the word of God for the people of God and the world. And we all say together, thank you, Jesus. If you find yourself, your, your faith Um, to function more like a lifeless, empty religion of do's and don'ts, Um, all because someone or at some point you felt scared about where you might end up, I want to suggest to you that that's not actually the motivation through which Christ has invited you into relationship. Jesus is not trying to scare you out of somewhere. Jesus is trying to invite you into something. The problem with the first one is we might get scared out of, let's just, we're going to get scared out of hell, but then what do we do? Sometimes we get scared out of hell and we find ourselves in the limbo where we're like, okay, I've got my ticket out of the bad place. I'm just going to kind of hang on here and ride this wave and we can completely miss the fact that Jesus has invited us into a relationship, a life-giving, ongoing, interactive relationship that does have some benefits that look a lot like the first motivation, but it has so much more. A relationship with the creator of all that we see around us, the heavens and the earth, the stars, the universe, all the way down to the most microscopic elements that we haven't even yet discovered. This is the invitation that we have received. How many of us can say that this week we lived into the reality of John 14 by living life through the assistance of the advocate, the Holy Spirit, that Jesus is talking about. Be honest. I mean, there may have been times when that was your reality. I mean, you got it right. You were tracking with the Lord. You sensed His closeness to you, and and you just knocked that out of the ballpark. But folks, let's just be real. There are times when that's just not the case. We drop the ball. We fall short. Paul talks about this in Scripture, and he's one of the most formidable writers of of the New Testament. He says, there are times where I just don't do the things I know I want to do, and the things I want to do, I just, I just can't. If Paul can talk about this, if we can talk about it, we recognize that there are times where we have to say to Jesus, hey, I'm sorry, I dropped the ball, and I'm coming back to you not because I'm scared of the consequences, but because I recognize I need you. I want you. I love verse 18. Verse 18. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. Orphans don't know who their people are. They may not even have the framework to understand what people means for them. I remember just recently uh, found a documentary of uh, some Oriental uh, teenagers who had been adopted as young children and uh, they had been raised in the United States. Uh, Their parents had gone overseas to China and had had picked them up and had brought them home and raised them, and they they had acclimated to life in the US. But there was something in them that resonated, that even though they loved their parents, that there were some other people that were theirs that they didn't quite know yet. Orphans, I, I think, in the best case scenario, recognize, I need to find my people. I need to find my people. And I think when, when, when orphans get to that place, it's because they have grown up in a, in, a, in a system where they recognize it's important to have people. This is exactly how some of us live our lives as orphans. We live life without even the concept of a God who is coming to them They aren't looking for anyone to come, let alone a resurrected God to come to them. Judas asks a great question here. Why are you going to reveal yourself to us, but not to them? Jesus's response is so important here for us and for them. We are going to find Jesus when we are looking for Jesus. When we aren't looking for Jesus, we're easily going to miss when Jesus shows up. You are going to find exactly what you're looking for. What your life is directed towards is what you're going to find. I remember as a, as a teenager living in Hong Kong, uh, my best friend and I, Kevin, we uh, went together and we bought an issue of uh, uh, it was a comic Uh, it was the death of superman and uh, i remember he 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 gave me the money to purchase his copy because the store was just down the street from where i lived and i don't so he gave me the money he says when it comes in go ahead and pay for it and, and bring it to me i lost that money and i tore everything apart looking for that i never did find it i had to pay for his copy out of my own money so frustrating but but in life we direct our attentions and the time that we spend we direct them towards certain things and the question is that you have to answer is what is it based on a look at your life what is it you're looking for what is it? The things that you do. What is that directing you towards? Christy and I got to celebrate uh, 25 years of marital bliss this week. It may not have been bliss the whole 25 years. There were some uh, rough patches uh, along the way, but uh, we got to get away for a couple nights, and we went down to Chattanooga, and we we just got to go out and eat together, we talked together, we reminisced together, and we had a few things planned. Now, the the plans took a little detour because Monday before we left, Christy threw her back out. And so all of the hiking that we were going to do and all of the walking around that we were going to do, that didn't quite happen. So we had to to adjust. But thankfully, uh, Tuesday morning, she was able to get a bit of a massage that helped alleviate things. So Tuesday was actually a pretty good day. Wednesday, maybe not so much. But uh, we had a, a good time. So, Christy and I, we spent time in Chattanooga. And, and as we were downtown, as we were planning for uh, our, our getaway, I had remembered that we, a few months ago, had read about these blue holes near Chattanooga. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? A few of you. Uh, so, evidently, there are these little pools, swimming holes, really, that are formed. By the runoff from the the mountains, and as they trickle down the the mountainside, they find these pockets that have been created by boulders and rocks, and you can go swimming in them. And I thought, that sounds really fun, but can Christy do that? Well, she was feeling pretty good on Tuesday, and so we went to a beach, and then we're like, hey, we are really close to these blue holes. Let's just go see what we can see. So we made... The journey there now we had read the reviews online Uh, we had heard people talk about how amazing they were and what kind of a hike it was and and so we made our way we looked it up on the map and we made our way to what's what was the name of it some north chick Chick, blue hole and uh so we pull into this you know we, we make our way there we find the the opening to the parking lot area and we pull in and there are cars everywhere i mean everywhere and I'm trying to figure out, where are we going to park? So we, uh, we go all the way down to the parking area, and it's full. And so we kind of come back out, and then finally there's a little spur. And we go down all the way to the end of this little spur, and there was some parking. So we parked there. And as we got out, um, I could hear people who were having fun. You could tell by the tones of their voice and the chatter. And, and as I looked through the trees, I could see water flowing. I'm like, we've got to be close. Well, it was actually a really cool deal that we had to park there because from where we parked to this stream was only about, I don't know, 30, 30 yards maybe. And it was kind of downhill. We made our way through the, the trees. And as we open as we got through the trees, in front of us was this little swimming hole. It was a small one. It was not the big one, but it was a small. One. And we went down and we checked out. We I did some bouldering, you know, climbing the boulders and stuff. And Christy just kind of watched as I did this. Um, But there got to be a point where I said, I've got to get in the water. I've heard about it. I've read about it. I've dreamt about it. And it's as though the water is calling me to come. I've had a few moments like this in life uh, where we go in Estes Park, uh, where we stay. You can look up and the mountains are just kind of panoramic around us. And it's as though the mountains are calling me and I respond. I may be weird, which I know I am, but this is real life, so I'm allowed to be weird. But there's something about responding to the calls in our lives to come. Um, So I want to show you a picture of where we ended up. This This was my swimming hole for the day. Actually, I just... I eventually got in, and it was cold. I mean, it was freezing. But as I got in, I, it was refreshing. Me being in the water there uh, was just right where I needed to be. And I, I, I guess, as I was, I've, as I was saying about my message today, and about being in the blue hole, and about responding to the call in our life, I, I guess my question to you is this: Have you found that refreshing place? That is the reality when we respond to God calling us into communion with Him. Have you you journeyed to the place where God has called you? Um, In a much more significant way than a stream or a mountain calling you, God is calling us to come and live in communion with Him. And, but how do we do that? How do we foster this relationship with the living God? Well, one of the primary ways we do that is call is through worship. Worship, yes, is about what we do. Uh, some people call this a worship service, where we gather to worship. And worship can look like songs we sing. and sometimes we raise hands, and sometimes we kneel, sometimes we'll, and, and that looks like worship. But at, at its core, worship is not first and foremost, The songs we sing worship first and foremost is the yes response that we live out to jesus so when you go out of this place and you know that god is calling you and you say no that's not worship but when you respond and say oh yes god you want that from me you got it that's worship Worship then takes other forms, like what we do here. We call what we the songs we sing worship. But what is interesting is worship is always a response to the God who we are becoming more aware of. So the real question is, what calls you to worship? Is, is what calls you to worship the fact that teens, that your parents uh, woke you up this morning and said, hey, we're going to worship, we're going to church I think the answer is yes for some of us and not all of us at some point. Um, I, I think it, it it can look like that. But what else does it look like for us to become more aware of this God? Um, and one of the things that it looks like, if worship is a response to the God we are becoming more aware of, then how we become more aware of God is going to be an important question to answer. And one of our... Theological forefathers, one of the fathers of the church, um, of our tradition at least, John Wesley, would say this that the way in which we become more aware of God is by participating in what he and some would call means of grace. Ways that grace gets imparted to our life. Means of grace are activities and realities uh, that we engage in that reveal God in deeper and deeper ways to us. This would include things like communion and baptism, uh, spiritual relationships with another person or a group of other people, spending time in nature, prayer, solitude, scripture reading, uh, journaling are just a few of the examples of ways that we can get to know more about Jesus that many would call a means of grace. It used to be that, and I'm dating myself now, I remember in my grandfather's old farm truck, we would get in and I would turn the radio on. Click. Some of you in here are like, what are you even talking about? Yeah, there were these two knobs and you would have to click it on and then you would have to fine tune it. And there was this little bar that would go up and down this line of numbers and you had to get it just right. There was no like pushing the arrow button, and it would go to the next one. No, you had to like fine-tune things. And my question for us today is, what does it look like for you to fine-tune your receptivity to Jesus? How are you doing that? How are you engaging in things? How are you engaging in knob-turning moments where you recognize, hey, wait a minute, I'm not hearing God the way I... In fact, the way you are hearing God might sound more like this. Can we play that little clip? Maybe your faith sounds a more like that. But what God's inviting us into, you can turn that off, is we just have to tune that a little bit and do the things, and engage in the things, be a part of the things that help us tune in to who God is in our life. Worship is routine and boring when it is only about showing up to check off a box. For some of you, this kind of worship may sound like this. When we have to, we don't want to. But when we want to, we recognize that we get to worship is not something that we can do isolated from everything else in our faith worship is what we do as a part of our faith and in in all reality it is the response to the other things going going on in our lives the ways in which we are engaging in the things of god i want to share with you another part christy talked last week about what's next for real life and Your pastors are calling you to engage in means of grace, things, activities, ways that help you come to know God in new and fresh ways. So as we do this, we have to consider the things that that help us plug in to and respond well to the advocate or the Holy Spirit that's at work in your life. We, We would love to offer you opportunities to engage in different kinds of means throughout the year in the near and distant future. But here's my question. Will you see those things as means of grace or will you see those things as just more things on to put on your agenda? Oh man, you know, they're planning another thing that I have to go to. Or, my, or, or might you be formed and shaped in such a way that you recognize that at the heart of these things, we are trying to help you connect and tune in the God who is at work in your life. Means of grace do require a certain kind of margin in your life. With with margin, we have room for the opportunities that the Spirit brings our way. Remember the voices that I mentioned that led us to the blue holes on Tuesday? Some of those voices were online. They, They were virtual. But some of those were the actual voices of people that were playing in the water that drew us to that place. Um, our challenge to you, you know, beginning even right now, is to prayerfully go to God and say, God, how can I make room in my life to be a part of the voices all around me that are engaging in the things of God? Whether it's one person or a group of persons, how can I begin living in relationship with other people so that we can encourage each other and nurture each other so that we can see and encounter God together. You know, one of the things as a pastor that can be challenging is how do we how do we mobilize people in a in a day when things are just so busy, there's so many things going on. How do we how do we do this? And we can talk about programs and we can set up a whole campaign and we can do that kind of thing. But I I feel like it's going to fall short if at at the heart of things we don't want to engage with others on the things of Christ. And so when it comes to how do we engage in these things, I I I want you to prayerfully go to God first and say, God, what does it look like for me to live out my faith with other people? (laughs) Another one of the complexities is how do you foster groups together together? where people are all going to get along. (laughs) Uh, You know, not all personalities work well together. Uh, Sometimes we rub each other a little wrong. But at the heart of it, what does it look like to push past those things so that we can enter into conversation on spiritual matters that help us understand God in new ways, which ultimately makes our worship more, more full. When it comes to getting together with other people in the kind of way we're talking about, whether it's a, a small group of a dozen people or maybe it's one other person or somewhere in between, there, there's a couple of things that we feel that, are, important, that are, are, are really important for the conversation, the relationship. Because you can get together and shoot the breeze and there'd be no spiritual formation that happens in that. But if we're talking about relationships that are spirit-forming types of relationships, there's a few things. One, there has to be some interaction around Scripture. There has to be an engagement in the Word of God where we all come and sit around it and we're like, okay, this is what the Word says. What does that mean for us? What does that look like for us? So there's interaction with Scripture. There's also prayer with each other. Again, You can get together and you can shoot the breeze and never have spiritual moments and never even pray together. Church, we need to be people who are are carrying the burdens of each other in prayer. So we interact with Scripture, we pray with each other, and there's accountability. Now, this is where things start to get a little rough. Because when people start calling out our stuff, that's tough to do if you have not given another person permission to do that. But if you are entering into a relationship with someone, you're like, dude, I want you to hold me accountable to this faith that we've talked about, then that's a different story altogether. So we've interacted with Scripture, we've prayed together, we're being accountable, but we're also consistent with each other. This is more than just uh, that one-off conversation that happens once uh, every few months. Those are good and they are important, but these kinds of relationships have got to be consistent we can create a program for this i just don't think that's going to work if at if at the heart of the matter we don't want this and we don't recognize this is something that god wants for us so there are a lot of ways that we can do this um our ability to thrive as a church Heading into the future will be dependent upon the conversations and the relationships that we have with each other around matters of faith. Will you, church, prayerfully consider what does it look like to respond to the stirring of the spirit in us? Will we put it off for another day? or will we engage it because we recognize at the heart of it this is the essence of what it means to be the people of God. Would you stand and pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, this morning, you have talked to us about what does it mean to have this advocate, this Holy Spirit that is at work in us, stirring us, uh, revealing you to us. God, I pray that as a church, we would not be able to get away from a a burning desire to be formed and shaped by you with others. Lord, I thank you for the gift of your spirit to us. But Lord, I pray that we would be uh, practical, I don't even know, theologians, if you will, people who actually know how to live out the relationship. God, God, it's a different thing to claim faith or acknowledgement of the Spirit, but yet not live in the power of that Spirit. And God, I pray that you would help us be the people who bring it together and find the new life that comes because of you being at work in our lives, revealing yourself to us. So Jesus, I just pray that you begin working on each and every one of us. Every single one of us has to respond to this word with a decision, we can't ignore it because actually that's just, that's a decision. But Lord, I pray that you would help us respond well to this word that you have spoken into our lives today. Lord, we pray these things in the mighty matchless name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and all God's people said, amen. Church, as you go from this time together today, may you just have this nagging, I'm going to call it a nagging spirit that just does not let up on you. And may you not ignore it. May you not avoid it. But might you respond to it with a resounding yes, which at its heart is called worship. Church, until we meet again, be that people. Be blessed by the Spirit and be a blessing of the Spirit. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We would love for you to join us in person. Our address is 2022 East Main Street in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. If you'd like to make a donation to keep our podcast ministry going, you can do so online at reallifecommunity.org. Thanks again for listening.